What's up, everybody? How's it going? What's going on, chat? Looks like uh, chat is kind of moving a little bit. How's it going? How's it going? Welcome to the Bad Chess Podcast. I am your host, the current, the reigning, the defending, and the undisputed third worst chess player on kick, KD215. And this is the very first episode of the Bad Chess Podcast, but don't let the title fool you. Just like I am a bad chess streamer, I am also, also a very bad chess podcaster. So bad, in fact, this podcast has nothing to do with chess. So what is it about? Who knows? I guess it's kind of about having fun, hanging with people I really respect and admire. And there are a few people I admire more than our guest today. She has been a part of some of the best animation in recent years, including being the staff writer for seasons one, two, and three of the legend of Vox Machina. If you're not sure what Vox Machina is, I'm going to, I'm going to roll the trailer from Amazon just to get everybody up to speed. Rises. Our only hope lies in these brave warriors. What the fuck? Right. Who else have we got? I'm sorry, who the hell are you? We're Vox Machina! We fuck shit up! Let's go! Come on, come on, come on, work! You can't be seriously considering them for such a task. Our reputation is less than stellar. If killing for gold isn't getting us anywhere, maybe we try doing some good this time? Nah. Boring. If this evil persists, the kingdom will starve to death. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh. I suggest we run right now. Oh, fuck that. We fight. Grog, you're hurt. No big. <laughs> the legend of Vox Machina, huh? So without further ado, I want to introduce you to tonight's guest. She has often been called Mark Hamill's best friend, Meredith Cascametti. Meredith, how's hi. it going? Hello, hi. Hi. So, uh, Vox Machina, huh? Yeah. Let's, you know. I, I just want to put this out there to start, right? We know, uh, just for those who don't know, there is a strike going on. Uh, the writers are on strike. The actors are on strike. It, it limits some of what we can talk about. Um, do you want you want to just start with that, like just so everybody yeah. knows up front where the limits are? Absolutely, I will be you know very, uh, very obvious. The strike is very important. The strike is exactly what needs to be happening in Hollywood right now. Um, it is sort of touching. It's touching animation in different ways than it is live action. Um, Fortunately, Vox, well, fortunately and unfortunately, lots of different reasons. Vox Machina um, 
is not a WGA show, and it's an Animation Guild show. Uh, writers are in the Animation Guild, which is a separate contract. Um, and actors in animation right now are still able to record, and that is also a separate contract than what SAG is striking. Um, so from my knowledge, as far as my knowledge, that's in the clear. Um, and some other shows that I've worked on are in the clear uh too so yeah cool so i want to start with i I don't really want this to be an interview show but obviously we have to put some questions out there Mm -hmm. to me the biggest one is i have known you a long time for those who don't know i've i've known meredith for a ridiculously long time um and when i met you your dream was to write for children's shows. In fact, I believe you wrote an episode, uh, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. Yes. How do you go from, I'm writing children's shows, to, I mean, we just saw the trailer, clearly not a children's show. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to a few different factors. I, going into school, and like the the impetus that got me into film school in the first place, and was like, I want to make TV, I want to make movies, was... Um, having the Lord of the Rings movies come out when I was, I don't know if this ages me, but, uh, when I was in middle school, um, and those were like, had such a, an imprint on my brain, (laughs) um, about what was possible to do with fantasy, uh, in a visual medium like that, um, that that just really inspired me to go into TV and film in the first place. Um, when I got to school, that when I uh, went to college, that's when I really got into children's TV and the kind of cool experimental ways you could take that. Um, I just felt like uh, a lot of people tend to kind of dumb down and shit on kids' TV, but I feel like there is, uh, if you are watching the right shows, there's definitely a level of sophistication and there's some weird experimental stuff that they can get away with there that I feel like doesn't happen necessarily in adult TV. Um, so that was kind of my goal af- for like my second half of college. That's when I really kind of like found that weird niche. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I wound up years later, uh, I wound up at Titmouse Animation, which is the animation studio that uh, does Vox Machina. Um, and I was the executive assistant to the head of that studio for two years. And when I was ready to make my move and we were looking for, I knew I wanted to write at that point and we were looking for like a good show that was at the studio that I could potentially move over to as script coordinator. Um, there was a show that came through the studio, uh, or that was coming through the studio called the Midnight Gospel. Um, which for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's a, very short show only ran one season 10 episodes on netflix um it's by uh pendleton ward and duncan trussell pendleton ward is uh the creator of adventure time for those who don't know and duncan trussell is a comedian um who has who has his own podcast um and that was a very adult show and i was obviously a fan of pen ward and kind of interested in the, in the show and they needed a writer's assistant oops sorry writer's assistant script coordinator um, I was actually kind of hesitant to take, to kind of go for it at first, um, because of my kind of headspace of being like, I do kids TV. I want to do kids TV. Like I, like there's lots of other kids shows at the studio. I should, I want to do one of those. Um, and my boss at the time was really the one who like pushed me. He's like, no, 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 you want to, you want to go for this show. The show's going to be 
even if it even if it goes one season or, or a million seasons, it's still be a really good show to like have on your resume and work with these people. Um, very grateful that he did that. And that was kind of my first foray into adult animation, and I really loved it and realized that uh, the original thing that drew me to TV and film was kind of these fantasy worlds and fantastical settings, and uh, there was still a space for that in adult animation. So, yeah. And, you know, just two to put out there, you and I actually met on a very, very big, well-known kid show. We met working on Sesame Street together. What season? Yes. What seasons were you there? 43 and 44. Yeah, I've, I've done Sesame Street for, I feel like 20 years now. I feel like 20 years, so. It's and I feel like the time. only reason I know that so quickly is because now my nephew is two and a half and he is watching Sesame Street and I tried, uh, I well, I watched them with him and I tried to get him really to think I'm cool. I want to be the cool aunt. I tried to get him to think that I'm cool by showing him the episode that I was an extra in and he did not give a shit. Um, he was just <laughs> extremely unimpressed. Didn't he? I had different color hair, so that was kind of it. He looked at me and was just like, that's not you. Like, you, you did have different color hair. You, if I recall correctly, you looked oddly similar to Carly Rae Jepsen when I met you. I mean, you had the same hairstyle, the same hair color. Your face and now still she's looks. Blonde. I should, I should, I should do my hairstyle like her because she's blonde now, and then I could just, you know, be her number one stalker <laughs> fan. I'm pretty sure that's what drew me to you was I continually made fun of the fact that you looked like Carly Rae Jepsen. I mean, Probably. she looked oddly like Carly Rae. She also, um, you you worked in Child Talent, and fun fact, my napping couch was is in the Child Talent office. It's where I like to nap <laughs> during the mm-hmm. day. What a, it's my napping couch. I mean, look, if you work. And you have the opportunity to have a napping couch. You should have a napping couch. And I did. Yeah. It was in that office. Imagine if that if that wasn't your napping couch or if I had a different job on the show. Like if I had been a PA or in the production bullpen or whatever. Or they had, like, what would our lives be now? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Fox Machina, let's talk about it. I mean, it is, it's everywhere. It's uh, it's Critical Role. They uh, obviously, if you guys don't know who Critical Role are, they are a very well known uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, streaming and podcast group. Um, they they kind of are one of the the people that really helped shape Dungeons and Dragons into what it is today. Which right now is actually you know the fandom is still kind of up in arms against, but but it really helped bring. Um, role-playing tabletop gaming to the forefront them and i would say um acquisitions incorporated which i was always a bigger fan of than critical role but you know groups like that Um, yeah especially on on streaming and being able to have access to D &D, uh as as a viewer and as a casual person i think D D when i was growing up was such this there was it felt like there was such a high point to entry uh and seeing other people play there were too many it. rules yeah and just you know it felt like yeah it felt like you had to go home and read for 10 hours before you could even start a game and you needed all these things and you're like what even is it like are we role-playing are we just sitting there like what is what is it exactly and then 
that, you know, now you can actually watch other people do it before you dive in. So you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. So explain how you first came to, to link up with Vox Machina. Uh, so yeah, that's all goes back to working at Titmouse Animation. Week two or three of me having the job at Titmouse, um, uh, my boss uh, at the time, Chris Pernoski, great man, uh, wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, he had me set a meeting. They were they, uh, Critical Role was wanted to come in and pitch an idea for this show. They'd been trying to, they'd been teasing or like joking about doing an animated series on their stream for a while. And, um, but it was one of those kind of pipe dream things. And I think they finally were like, well, let's see if we can actually do this. Um, so they came in to pitch it to Titmouse. Um, and I was already a fan at that point. I knew who they were. Um, you know, I, I played D&D and I'd known about them and other, other, <laughs> that whole world. Um, and so I was like very excited about it, um, and uh, Chris was very excited about it too. He loves D and D, but I think his hesitation was he was a little worried. He was like, you know, I know this streaming D and D streaming stuff is getting really popular, but like I'm an old school guy, you know. I just I just want to play it. I don't want to watch other people play it. Like, how sustainable is it? Like, is is it popular with staying power? Is it just like trendy popular and? Um, but I think like he quickly realized like oh no no this is like legit this is <laughs> this has got a fan base that's gonna stay around and so he started getting really into it um, and so yeah for like the entirety of my two years of being his assistant they were working on the show and developing the show um, and trying to get it ready to pitch and um, they uh, that's when they. Then when I was on Midnight Gospel, sorry, trying to get my timeline straight. When I was on Midnight Gospel, uh, working on that show, I had already finished being his assistant or moved on, was script coordinator on Midnight Gospel. That's when the Kickstarter dropped Um, and quickly broke a lot of records and got lots of lots and lots of money. (laughs) Um, And they realized, oh, I I think we have enough money. They were originally just going to do a like 40, 45 minute short or pilot presentation um with the idea of like hey let's just get a bunch of money to do a pilot because the big issue is selling it to networks at that time and still a lot today is fantasy is for kids so everyone they knew they were going to keep hitting the wall of like everyone being like this is great we love your subscriber count we love how many fans you've got that it's got a built-in audience but can you make it for kids um because it's fantasy so they were like we really need to have something to show why it needs to be for adults um so the idea was to get money to do like 20 to 40 minute animation. Um, but then they got enough money to do a whole first season. So um, I reached out to them while the Kickstarter was still going, like being like, hey, I think you guys are going to have enough money to do a whole season. Um, are you going to be looking for a tour coordinator or writer's assistant? Because my show's going to wrap. So uh, that was a nice. They were, and then, yeah, they were super sweet. And they obviously, I'd been able to build a relationship with them over the two years. So I was able to move over there when I wrapped on Midnight Gospel um, and then uh, was promoted to staff writer uh, partway through, I think, between season one and two. So, yeah. So I have a confession. You're one of of my dearest friends on the planet. And um, I haven't watched Vox Machina. (laughs) 
I've I've watched the episodes that you wrote specifically. Yes. Uh, but I don't remember that. Look, here's my problem, right? I so I was exposed to the live, you know, the bigger D and D stuff. Uh, I want to say it was Acquisitions Incorporated. They did a stage thing that ended up being shown in theaters, mm-hmm. and I I went to a theater to watch something else. And I think the I remember you telling it. me the story. And and so I just was like, well, whatever. I'm just going to walk into this thing. Because it was a live event. I figured I would check it out. And the place was packed. I mean, the seats were just um, absolutely... I couldn't believe the number of people that were in there. And I watched it. And I was like, I didn't get it. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I didn't get it. And I've played d and Like, I love tabletop gamings and, and board games and RPG video games and whatever. I just... I, I, I'm not into watching other people play the game as much as I'm into mm-hmm. playing it myself. So mm-hmm. I kind of let those guys go, and I had always heard about Critical Role, and then so everyone's like, you got to watch him, you got to watch him. And after watching the production value of Acquisitions, Inc., and then go into Critical Role, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, oh. But everyone's like, no, there's sto- it's just better storytelling. It's just you got to watch mm-hmm. this. And so from I just couldn't get into it. So then, obviously, the cartoon comes out, and I know you're involved, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch this. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get all in. I'm gonna support you. And then I just, I feel like my bias towards Critical Role carried over into me mm-hmm. watching the cartoon because I remember sitting through the first episode saying, "What am I like? Why am I watching this?" And I fell asleep. <laughs> I mean, it's not uncommon for you know D and D streaming can be really hard. That's another talk about high point of entry to get into that. Like you know, th- those episodes are long. Um, I struggle to watch. I have, mostly I when I I have to listen, like just do the podcast version of them um, for whatever reason. Maybe it's just how my brain works. Like if I'm doing something else and I'm listening, I can focus so much better on the story than if I'm actually watching them play, which seems counterintuitive um so i actually normally do that um and uh but i will say production value they've gotten a lot more money in the most in the more recent campaign so (laughs) they're definitely you know they've got their own studios now so so you, you you worked on season one you worked on season two season three yes yes Season three is in the works. <laughs> in the works. Did did you yes. write episodes? Have you written any episodes for season three? Yes. Okay. All right, but we're not. Yes. We can't talk about them. Can't talk about them. Um, I don't know when it'll come out. I, I, I animation takes a long time. Um, unfortunately. So let's talk about your the writing process for the episodes you wrote for seasons one and two. So, so you're obviously you're not yeah, the only, only writer. Wrote, on I wrote episodes oh, two and season three. two. So we can do yeah. two, yeah. So, uh, as the staff writer, obviously you're the writer that stays on after the scripts are written to help make changes and edits and whatever, right? But mm-hmm. then you write episodes as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you're not the only writer. So, is mm-hmm. it difficult writing an episode for a series where? Because critical role, the 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 the, the people themselves are writers, right? Like. They're writing their own adventures. If you, it just seems like there's a lot of writers. So how much input? 
How much input do do you have? Um, I think it was, it, it was, I mean, I looked, it wasn't really the, um, I would say the one person, like the one person that was like the hardest to compete with in terms of the story. It was just like this adaptation and the kind of expectation that we felt the audience was going to have. Um, that was like the hardest thing. I think the cast in general was super gracious about like us taking liberties and doing what we had to do to condense everything down because you know it's hours and hours and hours of content being condensed down into 22 minute episodes um so for the most part they were really cool with it and yeah they're all you know writers and stuff but i think they they were very respectful of the fact that um you know animation and and, and storytelling through animation was like you know the writers that they brought on that was you know our medium we we know this format and how to tell a story in this format. So I think they were very uh, open to that um, collaboration. Um, But yeah, I think, and they were also excited to try new things with this and go different directions to kind of subvert fan expectations too. So it was honestly like a lot easier than I thought it would be. I thought it would be a lot of hair pulling and stuff like that being like, listen, we get it. We can't tell a word for word remake of the show that's not gonna work um it's just it would be impossible or you could do it but you would need a hundred times the budget so (laughs) um but yeah and they were in the writer's room it was like we kind of for season we kind of did it similar for the first couple seasons where we would do like a big summit with all the writers for a few weeks in the cast would kind of join sometimes to kind of listen in or if we knew we were going to be breaking an episode that heavily involved their character they would come in case we had questions or wanted to throw out suggestions or like different ideas that like their character could be doing and they could kind of the other the other hard thing with this not only being characters they created but D&D characters is I think there's just such there's another layer of feeling that personal connection to your character um, when you've created a D and D character and you've lived a D and D character, um, so at some sometimes it felt like if we wanted to try something new with their characters, uh, and they didn't like it, it wasn't just that they didn't like it for that character; it's like they didn't almost like it for themselves. Like it was like this whole other level of consent. I felt like we had to navigate um, with them. So, who was your favorite of the cast to work with, and who was your least favorite? Controversial. You have to answer both. Have to no. You gotta do um. <laughs> you gotta do something. You gotta do like a Andy Cohen's plead the fifth, so that I can like give me an option to do something to plead the fifth. Um. I mean. All right. Who was your is, favorite? Who was my favorite? Everyone's allowed a favorite. Um. For example, watch. I'll I'll go first. Of all of the casting assistants at Sesame, you were my favorite. See? Mm-hmm. It's very easy. Of all uh, of them, you were my favorite. I they were all they all like brought such different energies to the room. Um I think like the person who I obviously like geeked out the most about who I was just like, I can't believe we're listening, like every day of the week I'm like, oh, we're listening to just like hours of him additionally world building was Matt Mercer, obviously. Um, like that was great. I, I also, the person who I'd always just like looked up to the most and was like, Oh, I 
She's So Badass was Laura Bailey. <laughs> so that was just really cool to be in a writer's room with her. Uh, and then, uh, but, uh, but I'm, I'm going to say something nice about everyone because I just like Marisha <laughs> Ray was also really badass. I love her, like her. Um, and then, so say something nice about everybody. Keep going. Yeah, uh, yeah, they were they were also great. Um, Sam and Travis were like are the kind of spearheaders of it, and they they were the people who um, they brought me on originally, and I will just always have a soft spot in my heart for them. And there, they were really good about reining everyone in and getting everyone because like we could have gone on for like ten drafts of a script with them giving notes, and like they were just amazing at reining everyone in getting everyone on the same page being like great we could we could take this tor- story in 10 different directions but like this is where we gotta go um and then uh ashley and and Talison. i will say it's funny because there's like certain people who were like certain seasons they were like mm, i'm not i don't really want to be involved in writing and then later they were just like way more into it um like i feel like i didn't see ashley and Talison a lot in the beginning and then they got really involved like later, um, which was cool. Did uh, this is going to be a fun question? Did have you played D anD D with them? Right, I knew you were a D anD D player at some point. Did you ever, you ever say, "Hey, no. I'm, I'm join the campaign," or say, "Hey, come join my campaign"? No, but I have um, I have run a couple D anD D campaigns for people on the cr- for other people on the crew. Um, I ran one when we first started. There was like we when we still had a pretty small crew. Like it was just like pre-production people and like our production manager. And there were a few people who had never played D anD D before. So I ran a special game for people specifically who like didn't really have any familiarity with D anD D, so they could kind of get into it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then I ran a second game later um with other with other crew people but yeah i've never played unfortunately um i have sat at the table at the critical role table but um, <laughs> so we have actually talked about doing a D stream you know playing a game i mean i've talked yeah. about putting it together and you playing in it yeah but but my problem is the same thing as with this podcast i i don't half-ass anything mm-hmm. and so i i keep taking the time to put stuff together for it and i feel like i spend more time building something than i do actually doing it uh-huh uh-huh but uh i mean it's gonna happen one day and i feel like we have a great group of people which i'm not gonna mention everybody now but i I feel like it's gonna Mm -hmm. happen so sit tight Mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna have Mm -hmm. a campaign it's gonna be ridiculous i'm gonna show something I actually, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna change my answer. Travis is my favorite because Travis gave me this. It's a signed can of Strong Jaw Ale, and <laughs> and he said, "I signed your name so that you couldn't sell it." And why would why would you want to sell I la- it? I laughed at that. Um, yeah, I was like, no, that's gonna. I was like, I was like, what am I gonna do? Yeah, I'm not selling that. But yeah. So uh, there there are some people in the chat that that I think have have some questions, right? Um which I, I want to I'm going to open it up to some of them 
for uh but by, by the way there's a fan in the chat of midnight gospel oh. said midnight gospel was very trippy loves midnight gospel so so if you want to ask any midnight gospel questions or whatever ask any question you want she will mm-hmm. take the questions but but we're going to we're going to do it with a little bit of a a little bit of a twist um on the script because because Vox Machina is a D&D show. Uh, we're going to put a little D&D spin on this. And on the screen, we have a D20. When you ask the question, when I pose the question to her, we are going to roll the D20. If, it's for a knowledge check, obviously, for those of you who don't play D&D. We have to do a knowledge check for her. If we roll a 12 or higher, she knows every, she can answer the question in all honesty. I mean, she might not know anything that might be the right answer, that she may not be able to answer the question, but she can she can go on with everything she wants. If it's between, like, an 8 and 11, she, she she's going to give a tiny answer. Just she knows a little something about it. Mm-hmm. Anything less than 8, and she knows nothing about the question you're asking, but will bullshit an answer just to make you feel good. And make you feel like you've had your question answered, because I don't want to, don't want to leave anybody feeling um, mm-hmm. like they, like they weren't, they weren't heard. So, so if, if if anybody has a question that they would like to ask, we we will ask, and then we will roll the d twenty, and we will we will see. And you, Mary, you can see the d twenty on your screen, right? Yes, yes, I okay. can. Okay, so uh, a- anybody in chat, anybody with questions, it's the chat has now oh. has now slowed to a crawl when I. Pawn, that's. I feel like we asked that question, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna roll it. I'm gonna roll. Pawn Pawn wants to know what your favorite show you worked on is ever of any show you've ever worked on. We're gonna roll the D20. Remember, okay. twelve or twelve or better, you can answer it on it. You know, big eight to mm-hmm. eight through eleven. Answer it small. Just quick answer. Anything under that, lie. Just lie. A nineteen. Ooh. It's almost a perfect twenty. You go ahead and, and answer. How? What's your favorite right. show you ever worked on? Okay. Well, I will say, um, and I think most people have uh, in in LA, we have very short attention spans. Um, uh, so I feel like most people are going to give you answers about stuff. I the show I'm working on right now, um, which is uh, I'm, work, I'm working on an unannounced Disney show. Um, I would say the crew on the show is just a goddamn delight. Uh, they are so lovely. Um, I also feel like maybe it's because it's the first show I've worked on um, that's somewhat, that's hybrid back in the office and everyone is just coming out of, it's like the first round of shows this past year that have been somewhat in person. Um, So people are really excited to be back and socializing with people. So that might also be it. Um, The show that, uh, yeah, so yeah. That's my answer about that, but I feel like I could give a little more because it rolled a 19. Um, I think the show that I was the most excited to and I knew the most about and like ended up being just this crazy experiment or experience was uh, obviously Vox Machina. Um, working on that was just a dream come true. And uh, and that's been really cool. Um, and still, uh, yeah. The, the, the chat wants to know if you... Uh... If you have a favorite character on Vox, uh, maybe if, wait, well, well, and and I, well, we're gonna phrase this two ways. 
a favorite character personally and a favorite character to write. And we're gonna we're gonna roll the d twenty. Mm. Uh, we're gonna do a knowledge check here. Does does she know what her favorite characters are? Uh, do you want to roll the d? You want to roll a knowledge check for both or just for for each question individually? Yeah, let's do that. Do it. Do it for both because if I don't know how to half answer that, unless there's two parts to it. Oh, okay. So then here we go. Then here we go. We're rolling the d twenty. Yeah. Let's go. Oh. Oh no. <laughs> now, you, now you need to. Now you need to bullshit right. the answer. Got to bullshit the answer. You know. Uh, what is, what is Vox Machina? Um, does it have, does it really have individual characters with individual traits? I feel like my favorite character is probably just, you know how in Cheers the bar was a character? And I feel like Iman, the, the, the city that they're in, is, is really a character in itself. Um, and I think that's, you know, just, just the worlds. Exandria itself is my favorite <laughs> character. <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> what are some highs and lows with working on shows with big production value compared to something where the budget is tight? And here we go. We're gonna. We're gonna. We got to do a knowledge check. Here we go. All right. I can't just answer. Oh that. no. Right. Oh Ooh. no. Um, I think like it's just really cool when you have all this money and you're just like. <laughs> Wow, um, I can just do anything I want. There's no limitations whatsoever. What? Like, budgets don't exist. Um, that's a really cool part. Uh, and it's really cool when you're working on a big major property and you have absolutely, and you don't have any legal oversight. You don't have to worry about S&P. You don't have to worry about any lawyers or anything like that everyone's just really chill when you have a ton of money to work on a show um you know no one's investing a lot uh and then when you're working on, when you're working on a show with no money um it's just i love kind of the heroin chic look and just looking like i haven't slept in 12 days um and you know i'm not worried about paying my rent at the end of the month that's really fun um that's my favorite part <laughs> hey hey guys uh also we're gonna do a trivia with, with meredith where it's gonna be a uh, generic nerd trivia um while, while we're answering the next couple questions if you type plus one in the chat um you're gonna be up for a prize if she Gets the questions correct, you win a prize. If she gets the questions wrong, um, no prize for you. So go ahead and just type plus one in the chat. Literally, just the plus sign and the number one. Uh, it'll look like uh, like this. Boom, and get yourself in there. So let's see, are there any more questions or any other good questions? Let's see. Let's see. Um, a couple people said your work is incredible. Your work is incredible, which is just so so lovely. <laughs> um, I don't know. Is there anything you want to talk about while we're uh, while I'm looking for? perusing the, the chat here for the questions. 
Um, I I can talk about. I just got a really funny uh, email that someone that I work with accidentally sent a company wide email that was intended for one person. Um, that's funny. Um, let's see. Is is it an older person? Or is it a younger person? Because I feel like no. younger people now are way more guilty of yeah, sending it's a sweet, incorrect. It's a sweet young soul. It's a, it's I'm I'm I feel I just want to go give them a hug right now. It's like when um what was it when the HBO sent out that email to all its subscribers uh, the test email and they I, I, the entire world was just like collectively like let's go give that intern a big hug like we feel so bad for. <laughs> All right, so uh, if there's if there's no other questions, we're we're gonna move on. We're gonna we're gonna roll this uh this 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 uh this chat thing. We're gonna see who who's gonna who's gonna play for a prize. Oh wait, we we have another question. Oh boy. But by, by the way, Man Mano King, you uh you have you have won a prize. It says write something in the chat to claim your prize. You have twenty twenty two seconds. From Botrix, by the way. So, okay, we're going to uh, we're going to roll. the The question is, what show have you worked on in the past where you missed the crew a lot? And I... it's a fourteen. You have all the knowledge for this one. Uh, it's weird because I'm. It's funny because I'm on uh a show right now, but like it doesn't have a lot. I've never worked with most of the people before, but it's right next to a show that has a lot of people I've worked with before, so it's kind of like I haven't even left. Um, I really miss the Midnight Gospel people. I uh, We had such a solid production team. Um, in an animation, your production team really makes or breaks a show. Um, like, uh, I, I always said, like, I mean, artists are amazing, and they have the most... Lo- like, they are... Their gifts are, like, God-given. It, it is beautiful, but, like, you can draw pretty pictures all day. If no one wears to f- no no one knows where to find them um, and put them together, then you're screwed. So I truly like whenever they really taught me how to make sure I know who is on the production side before saying yes to a show because that show itself could have just been an absolute hot mess and disaster just because of all of the elements in that show and there's no re- there's very little reuse. Um, because every episode is in a different location. So that show really could have been a nightmare if we did not have such a strong, solid production team, and I miss them, and I'm still on a group chat with them and talk to them all the time. <laughs> cool. By the way, there's a, a reminder in chat to, uh, a friendly reminder to remember to drink water. Remember to drink water. Uh, we're gonna do, we're gonna do yeah. an initiative check. Does she remember to drink water? Let's we're rolling for initiative. Oh no, she does not remember to drink water. I don't get to have my Marco Rubio moment. Oh, Meredith, uh. Meredith, poor Meredith. She's gonna, she's gonna. I I do actually remember to drink okay. water. Okay. Can I drink? Can I drink? Uh, no, go water ahead. And- have water. Go ahead. You're fine. Thank you. <laughs> just um, I just, live in LA. I'm constantly dehydrated. I live in in the East Coast. I'm constantly dehydrated right now. Okay, so we're gonna play some trivia. You. Uh, before before the show, you have uh, pre-selected some trivia categories. The one category at the top of your list was Lord of the Rings. And when we to, were... Te- I caveat. I know all these topics very well. I'm very familiar with all these topics. I'm terrible at trivia and have a shit memory. So 
listen, listen, it's fine. You're playing for Mano right now, you know. Let's uh, okay. let's see if you can win Mano a prize. Um, you know, what's funny is you kind of gave yourself away a little bit before when we were testing the stream. You saw the trivia questions. You're like, oh, yo, I got these answers. So I made the questions a little harder. Okay, good. And, and these questions come courtesy of uh, Dorky Geeky Nerdy. And okay. uh, here, here, here we go. First question. Do not meddle in the affairs of who? For they are subtle and quick to anger. Um, do not meddle in the affairs of elves. Is that your final answer? I can't. I'm going to say yes because you're, you always do that. You always try and Wizards! take it Wizards! Oh, oh. What, what do the elves call Gandalf? Um, um... Uh, I know this. this I can imagine them saying it. These are really hard questions. No, this one is not a hard question. I should know this. I've, like, it's in the books many times. Um, but yeah, my, my ADD brain will not pull it out. Sorry. Oh. Miss Randier, (laughs) yes. Pippin's full name. Uh, Pippin... Brandy Buck? Peregrine Tuck? Oh, yeah, Mary Doc. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, listen, I'm going gonna, we're gonna to back this up a little bit. We're going to back this up a little bit. We're going to make this easier for Mano to win. <laughs> Sorry, Mano. <laughs> we're we're, we're going go, to go to some easier questions for her. I know Sam Pony's name. I knew the next one. Oh, yeah, did you? Yeah, it's Bill. All right, here we go. Get in here. Before he was called Golem, what was he known as? Smeagol. I mean, I don't think it gets any easier than that. Frodo's shirt of mail is made from what fictional metal? Mithril. Oops. Of course it is. How many members are there in the Fellowship? Nine. There are nine. There are nine. Legolas hails from what forest? Um, le, uh... God, it's uh, Lothlorien? No. Um, is it Lothlorien? I think it's Mirkwood. Mirkwood? It is Mirkwood! Mirkwood. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry, that's a wrong question. It's a wrong answer. What character initially Aragorn. goes by the name Strider? Aragorn. Aragorn is correct. I gotta be go. Oh, oh, God, what creature did Gandalf say could not pass? The Balrog. The Balrog. What inn do the hobbits go to in Bree? Um, the Prancing Pony. It is the Prancing Pony. What is the name of Elrond's home? God, these questions are easy. Rivendell. It is Rivendell. Is the name of Frodo's sword? Um, one that Bilbo gives him that glows blue that when glows orcs blue. near. Um, Dabby, I don't know. Sting. Ding, yes. Oh my god. Who was Faramir's brother? Boromir. It was Boromir. That's right. 
Somebody says that they're on a call with a prank person. I want to be on a call with a prank person. Why don't I get to be on a call with a prank person? What were the other categories that you said you were good at? Uh, I didn't say, I never, if you look at that email legally, I did not say I was good at these. I just said I would do Pixar. Oh, you said Pixar. Hold on. I want to, I want to do the Pixar one with you. We'll do the easy Pixar one. Um, because I don't think you're going to get it. I'm going to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. It's probably like they do a bunch of their shorts, which I, I, I I mean, I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be too... Too nerdy. Okay, what's the name of the lamp that serves as the pis- pic- serves as the mascot for Pixar? That guy has a name. Isn't it? Is it Pix? Is is it Lamp? Luxo Junior. Luxo Junior. I'll have to tell my nephew. Um, so I was I was with my nephew last week, and uh, I was watching him, and he wanted. He was like, "I want to watch something," and I was like, "What do you want to watch?" <laughs> and he he was just like, "The thing with the bouncing lamp." And I was like, I was like, what? And then I finally figured it out, and I was like, oh, buddy, do I got some exciting news for you? There's so many movies that have the bouncing lamp at the beginning. We can we can watch this on repeat all day. <laughs> I mean, as somebody who works in animation, I feel like you should just be able to fire off the answer to every one of these questions. But I know you're not going to be able to. What actor has voice characters in every Pixar film? Um, uh, not John Mark Hamill. John Ratzenberger. John Ratzenberger. You know what? what? I don't pick- know that from working in animation. I know that from when I was uh, worked at a voiceover agency because he was a cl- he was one of our clients. Really? Yeah, along with Mark Hamill. So <laughs> is that is that how you became known as Mark Hamill's best friend? Yes, that is how I earned that nickname. What movie is Pixar's only prequel? Um, prequel. Da-da-da-da. I know this. So shh. I don't wait i'm blanking i know like uh, oh mm, i keep going back to toy story but those movies were all in order those weren't prequels um all right i'm gonna have to call it so sorry god i'm sorry monster, monster university god, oh my god yeah the lightning mcqueen's number Oh gosh, I should know that. I think I know this. So like, I think I know this. This is like twenty three or. I think it's isn't it ninety five? It was the year that oh, Toy Story came out. That makes sense. Yeah, probably ninety five. Ninety five. You knew that. You knew the second one. What what fashion designer has an aversion to capes? In the mode. <laughs> What is the name of the monstrous bear and brave? Um, I've only seen Brave like two, a couple, two times, uh, so I do not know. More do. More, more do. But by the way, our mod Don says he would be kicking our butts in this. Located Probably. along Route sixty six, what town do Mater, Sally, and Doc all call home? What town? Um. Radiator Springs? Right, Radiator Springs. Yo, he's just firing the answers off. The phrase Dia de los Muertos was almost trademarked in anticipation of what film? Coco? Coco. 
They tried to find... try to trademark that because oh my god, that's stupid. Well, you know, there's a woman in Baltimore who trademarked the word "hun" and became like the villain of the city. Wow. Yeah, she's great. I guess she she gave the trademark back. It was an episode of uh, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares because she had a restaurant that literally nobody would go to because she was the villain of the city. Because she trademarked Hun. Because she trademarked Hun. In Finding what? Dory, Hank is described as what kind of creature? Um, Hank is Hank the octopus. He is a, he is an octopus. Oh, but it's more specific than that. It's like yes. Oh, I don't know. A septopus because he only has seven arms. Okay, okay. What 2003 short featured a jackalope and a shy sheep? Uh, isn't that like bounding or bounce? The one where the bounding. Hey, Don, I bet you didn't know that one, Don. Bet you didn't know that one. <laughs> Truly, don't know where I found that one nugget in my brain um can clear that out for some of that lord of the rings knowledge more important see this was fun trivia was fun who said you suck at trivia i did <laughs> i, I should have like, known all those lord of the rings questions i read the books all the time I, I, f- I feel like we should uh we should we should do a round where we have to where you have to roll and do a knowledge check you know if you actually you know harry potter you're a harry potter fiend Mm-hmm. Well, we can look back on this moment and remember the times that you messed up Harry Potter trivia. How do you feel about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone? I mean, I feel like I'm like I try. I'm try, I don't know. Uh. Okay, I could do that. I haven't read them in a really long time. My uh, my my uh, fandom I mean, has my fandom has waned in recent years. I'm like not that on top of well, Harry Potter anymore. Here we go. I just think it would be funny to have you have to answer the questions wrong. Oh God, That's I wouldn't. True. I wouldn't be able to answer any of these questions. Oh no. Oh no. Here we go. Let's just give it a shot. Before you answer, do you know the? Do you know the answer? Yes. Chat. Do you think she knows the answer? She she seems very very sure of herself. Let's see. Uh, I don't I don't think she knows the answer, Meredith. What's um, the answer? The answer is um, three magic place. So sorry, it's number four Privet Drive. Don, oh. you were wrong too. Don, so sorry. Darn. What's Har- what's what's Harry's birthday? Do you know the answer? Um, I think so. All right, hold on. Let's see. I know at least the month. Okay. Yeah, you can know it. What is it? Can I just say, I just know it's in July. I think it's July 11th or July 31st. July 31st. Okay. What is the title of the first chapter? I I know that. Uh, But do you know it? Let's find out with a knowledge check. You do know it. What is what is it? The the boy who lived. The boy who lived is correct. Go ahead. Ron tries to turn Scavers. What color? 
Do you know the okay. answer? Do you know it? I believe so. Does she know it with a knowledge? Oh, you don't know it. I'm so sorry. Um, Rainbow. If you did know, what was your guess? Yellow. Yeah, you know the chat. The chat screaming yellow, and yellow is the answer. What color is the ink on Harry's letters from Hogwarts? Do you know it? Uh, maybe. I mean, you definitely don't. But go ahead and make the guess anyway, because it's a guess. An actual guess? I think it's maybe green. Like a. The chat green says green. red. Survey says. Yo, it's green! How did the girl guessing get it? And y'all in chat, who so were sure that you had it. Here's this the thing. It wasn't, it's not a memory based on, like, the words in the book or anything. It's memory of my memory of the image. of. So I was like, if it's what it was in the movies, it's green. But I wasn't sure if that's what it was. Whose bike does Hagrid borrow to bring Harry to his aunt and uncle's house? I know this. Like, you definitely, definitely know it? Mm-hmm. But do you know it? Do you know it? Does chat know it? You do know it. What's the answer? Serious Black. It is Serious Black. Come on, this is a fun game. Who <laughs> is the first Weasley that Harry meets? Do you know it? I think so. Well, I, think I mean, it, I the, knowledge, the knowledge check says you know it, so what is the answer? I think it's a trick question. Percy Weasley? Uh, Mrs. Molly um, Weasley. Yeah, I don't know. The mountain troll invades Hogwarts on what day? Okay. Yeah, I know it. But do you? Um, yeah, just a quick answer. Halloween. It is Halloween. What kind of owl is Hedwig? Okay. Do you know it? Do you know it? Uh, yeah. Of course you know it. What's the answer? A snowy owl? If that's... Snowy owl! Okay, I wasn't sure if that was like the actual scientific breed. Who teaches history of magic? Do you know it? Yes. But does she know it with a knowledge check? The knowledge check says you know it. Professor Bins? Professor Bins! See? See, trivia can be fun. Trivia can be fun. Trivia can be fun. I retained a lot more uh, than I thought I had. (laughs) I think the the, the D20 is fun, too. Like, I feel like that should just be a bit that, that... persists through my um through this I like podcast with, like, i liked coming up with like the fake answers those that was fun yeah. uh, uh do you want to answer any of the questions for real like um what what is there uh some of the highs and lows with working on shows with big budgets compared to uh one where the budget's tight yeah um i think uh it's really comes down to where it depends on where the money's being allocated. Like I've worked on shows with really big budgets, but it was all ballooned for talent. Um, and so it was still really stressful on the crew and I've worked on really low budget stuff, but it felt about the same because we were in the similar (laughs) 
situation. I think uh, more money just gives you more people, so it's a lot less workload and more or more workload to go around. Like you can spread it out, so it's just uh, can feel less stressful at that point. Um, but I will say, usually with bigger budget shows comes bigger budget problems. Uh, usually the networks have a lot more opinions and are way more stressed and way more uh, over your shoulder while you're doing everything because they're very nervous about their, like, very expensive investment. Rightfully so. Like, they want to make sure you're doing your job correctly when they put a lot more money on the line. Um, Whereas, like, a show like Midnight Gospel was a lot lower budget. Um, If by, you know, Netflix standards, it was definitely a lower budget show for them. Um, But it... uh, it was definitely really tight crew, and, um, and that one was also the cool thing about Midnight Gospel versus like Vox Machina or the show that I'm working on now is that was all animated in house, so we did not ship uh, the show anywhere um, to actually be animated. A lot of shows in the U.S. Um, like the pre-production and boarding and editing the animatic and all the way up to that phase is done in the U.S. and then it's sent somewhere to another country where it's cheaper to animate. Um, oftentimes Korea, we have, uh, Tim House has another studio in Vancouver, which it'll ship kind of to itself. Um, or even sometimes it'll be shipped within the U.S., like to New York. Um, every, uh, pretty much every other state outside of California has really good tax breaks, so it can often be cheaper to do parts of production in other states or other countries. Um, Canada also gives really good tax breaks, especially for animation. Um, so, yeah. I feel that like, that's killed the industry in California in general, right? I mean, not just animation, but I oh, mean, yeah. you look at the number of productions that have moved to Atlanta. I mean, Vancouver mm-hmm. was always a hotbed of, of, mm-hmm. of production, but, you know, Louisiana has gotten really big recently. New York, I mean, they don't, yeah. they don't stop building studios in New York and New Jersey too. There's uh, we can cover, like, new studios. Canada stuff. will give us like half of the money back in like tax breaks if we hire Canadian people, like if we hire Canadian animators and stuff, um, you can make like half of your budget through that. And I think New York, you get like a third back. Um, if you hire New York people, um, and I'm assuming they're similar (laughs) in other, in other places. And then obviously if you go overseas, it's, you know, labor in general is cheaper and that's a whole other fun economic story. Um, so (laughs) yeah, Uh, India is cool. getting actually really popular too, as a place to ship for animation, especially 3D. That's awesome. That's look. I am over the moon that you came on to do this with me tonight. By the way, like, of course. I um. You're my, you're my favorite. You are like you are one of my truly favorite people. You are the. You were all. You were so when I was a twenty-two year old running around with like chicken with my head cut off, just not knowing what I was even doing in this industry, you like took me under your wing and you were so sweet and kind um, to me. <laughs> it's I a very stressed out assistant on this industry. I don't remember that. I don't think that's true. I was, I mean, if I felt, if I looked put together or I felt like I was coming off put together back then, it was just purely because of my own delusion. Um, but which but is in a good way, probably, right? Yeah. Like, I think I bought a lot of my own bullshit back then but in a healthy way like if i had actually known 
how heartbreaking this industry was going to be, I probably wouldn't have even tried. Um, but I, I don't know what you're talking about. My, it was real easy for me. I just rode my bike to a studio when I was 14 and asked for a job. That's a true story, by the way. I know that you and uh, me. you and Steven Spielberg just like just like <laughs> jump, jumpies. <laughs> well, look, I, I I appreciate you coming on. You know, everybody again, Meredith Cascametti, writer of Vox Machina. Um, seasons one, two, three coming out at some point mm-hmm. soon. Yes. Mark Hamill's best friend. We didn't get to that story, but we will in the future. Um, look, we're yeah, going to do this every yeah. week, guys. Um, I know next week our guest is uh, Stephanie DeVruzzo. She is a uh, huge, I mean, Broadway. You know her. You remember Steph? Uh, Broadway oh, yeah. star. She yeah. uh, Tony nominated for her work in Avenue Q. She's done Sesame Street. She um Pooh corner is is her right isn't she Pooh corner too i think look she's yeah. done a lot of, oh she's a musical episode of scrubs people musical yes. episode of scrubs yes. episode of so, scrubs so if you if you like this podcast come back next week i'm gonna i'm gonna keep the d20 thing going so when we get to questions for her she, she's probably not gonna get the d20 but i feel like it's just gonna be what sets us apart so Everybody, Meredith, check her out on Instagram. Her Instagram's back up on the screen. It's Meredith Stories. She'd love to follow. She'd love a follow if you get a chance. And uh, look again. I'm I'm Katie two one five, the third third worst chess player on Kick. Thank you so much. Is there an ending? I don't have an ending page for this. That's oh, crazy. Yeah. I don't it's have an ending page. Not the ending. I have. I did. And you know what's funny? Mano has made me an ending page. For hold on, I can. I think I could put it together really quickly. If we just stall for like, no wait, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. I can't, I can't put it up. This is horrible. This is the worst day ever. Um, there was an ending page. I'm gonna put up the be right back page for the ending page. That's (laughs) a post-it note. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh